0: Hello.
1: Hi. Hi. Welcome to the show. How about you introduce yourself?
0: Thank you. Uh, well, my name is Stefan Dürmek. I am a professional game designer. I always was kind of a game designer. Uh, I love making games. I uh, spent over ten years uh, designing games, uh, big ones like the console and PC ones, as well as mobile games and gamification programs.
1: And yeah, and I and I got. An email, I think, from because of a project you're working on right now. Can you talk a little more about that before we get into um, some of your game design stuff?
0: Right, right. Uh, well, we're um, I'm a producer and game designer on a project called uh, Ghost Theory. Uh, it's a project from Dreadlocks. It's primarily designed for VR headsets. But uh, of course we aim uh, to support non-VR gamers as well, but the the approach is the other way around. So we we don't design the game for non-VR gamers and then, uh, like most people do, uh, then we would build the VR experience as the other way around. So uh, the Ghost Theory is a first-person horror game, in which you get to investigate the most haunted places in the world. And uh, when I'm saying the most haunted places in the world, I mean real places. So we actually decided to uh, visit real haunted locations and transfer them into the game so players can uh, experience the actual places and then uh, they they will have an opportunity to visit these places for real and experience what they experience in the game in real life. Uh, another thing is we want players to be ghost hunters that are using the actual ghost hunting equipment. So everything you will be able to use in a game is something that you can find on uh, online ghost hunting shops today as is the authentic equipment.
1: Okay. And what uh you know i know you have a kickstarter campaign going if if listeners while they're listening to this podcast they want to learn more about the game or check it out um is there a website they can visit
0: right uh there's definitely uh you can visit our uh kickstarter page that's for sure um we are now in 10% of the progress uh we want we need 100,000 pounds to get this project running, uh, we're currently, as I said, we're currently probably about uh, 10% of the game. Uh, you can uh, y- you can learn all the details about the game uh, right there, but you can also visit uh, websites of uh, Dreadlocks, which is dreadlocks.cz. And uh, there you can click on Games and Ghost Theory.
1: So it's D R uh, E A D L O C K S dot C-Z, right? Yeah. Okay. Nonsense. Just wanted to make sure I I spelled it right for the audience. Okay, yeah. and and um, so what inspired you to do a VR game versus a non VR game versus an augmented reality game?
0: Uh, right. Well, I think the I think the first kind of impulse was that we got uh, DK2 uh, of Oculus Rift, so we actually had something to work with uh, at our office. Uh, as we finished our previous games, uh, game that was called DEX, we started to experiment with some of the situations in virtual reality and we we kind of found out, we found uh, one or two a really interesting and unused thing that we found it's a really great experience. And we started to build on that. And um, we're fans of horror games. Our CEO is, is a huge fan, f- fan of Silent Hill as well. So we decided to approach these, like the results with the, uh, of the experiments, we decided to design it in a horror game. And um, we, for example, instead of having 3D characters for ghosts that you can encounter in a game, we decided to experiment with stereoscopic camera and uh, blue screen. Well, we actually, it was more like alchemy. We didn't know what uh, what kind of uh, result we can expect. Expect, so we. So we took some actors to uh, to Blue Screen studio. We put some makeup on, on them, and uh, we recorded them, putting them in a scene uh, of virtual reality. And the res- first results uh, were great because if the character, if, if the ghost is very close to you, and you, you you kind of believe that you're staying with him in a scene is super creepy and feels feels uh real which is awesome
1: yeah and what so you know there's been a lot of talk about v- VR re- recently and because Oculus is about to ship pretty soon What are your thoughts of VR versus non-VR games? Do you feel that VR is going to be niche? Is it going to be just like console? Or is it going to be something that becomes mainstream like
0: mobile or PC? Well, we like... um, I would would say everyone... (laughs) from the team feels a bit different, like each team member feels a bit different about the, have different expectation about the virtual reality headsets. The thing is, we don't know and nobody knows yeah. until until the VR uh, headsets are on the market and we'll, we can see right now on our Kickstarter page a really interesting paradox and I think someone mentioned that in, uh, in comments of that campaign that if we would approach the kickstarter uh, saying that ghost theory is just a regular game with a vr support we would have way uh bigger chances to succeed with this campaign uh rather than to say it's built for vr and uh, we're gonna support non-vr gamers as well so you can see that people are even the people, the gamers are not sure about yeah. virtual reality headsets. Well that's so, that's
1: what I was honestly gonna say. I was gonna be like, look, the one issue with VR is to buy that headset, doesn't it cost seven hundred six to seven hundred dollars or something? On top yep. of the game, right? So So yep. w- when you say it's VR, I mean so so have you thought of changing your pitch because yeah, even if VR is the future, um Doing it VR first mm-hmm. may not be, and it might be the right timing. Just remember, like even a few years ago, people were like mobile first, and people thought that was crazy. Right, and it worked. And then even Clash of Clans said, you know, forget about mobile first; it's tablet first.
0: Right, right. I get it. And so, so I get it.
1: Well, you know, well, well so you're I, I, saying I, I, VR first is is the way to go?
0: Yeah, I'd say, I'd say <laughs> it's it's all about the way you make games. So the game begins with an idea or an interesting uh, prototype that starts working in a way nobody expected and it feels cool. So um, if we would be first thinking about making a horror game and making it in real actual places, we we probably wouldn't approach VR, but uh, the whole pitch and the whole game concept started from Uh, some of the successful prototypes with VR so we kind of build it the the, the design of the game around it so um, it's hard right now it wouldn't make sense to change the pitch uh, from VR to non to primarily non VR because we would be pretty much if we do so then we claim that we have some solutions for non-VR gamers that we don't have right now. So we would be pitching something we we don't have. So you're saying
1: the experience is so dependent on VR that you really don't want to sell a bad experience to people who don't have VR that, even though you might get more people.
0: mm -hmm. Well, we, we definitely will uh, do our best to have the best possible experience, even for players with uh, without VR, because we realize that it'll, it's, it can be easily uh, the case that most of our backers are non-VR gamers. So yeah. we have to be really careful here and offer the experience. But the, there is, like, for example, the mechanic of handling your uh, equipment, which is something that works really well in in VR. You just look down on your belt. There are uh, some gadgets and tools attached. You you can just simply grab one of them. Uh, For non-VR gamers, this can be solved quite easily because uh, then you're pardoned with all the UI stuff that you can bring, like all the arrows and descriptions and all these things, They, they, they make Uh, They they will allow us to create the same user interface or similar user interface experience quite easily. Uh, The challenge is really the virtual reality um, because, for example, regarding user interface, you have to think completely different, Um, like the approach from game designer needs to be completely different. You need to you need to step back and have that uh, big picture again, to be able to think about new ways how to make um, people interact with uh, the game. So I'd say yes, we would probably have uh, better chances if we just say, well, there's uh, here here is a ghost theory, and here's the pitch. People actually love the pitch. I just got the message from RCO. Yeah. We are third on green light on on Steam green light, yeah, right now. So, so this the the pitch itself is interesting for people, but uh, as, as I said, it's we just don't want to make another game that okay is di- it's its premise is different, it's new and fresh, but we also Want to be pioneers, and uh, we think we we made some breakthroughs. We uh, we found some great mechanics and uh, great uh, like the world even the world setting. So we're kind of we're gonna be we're we're still we're still gonna be designing the game for uh, for VR. Primarily, well, as an option, as an
1: option, could you have said that you know this is also for mobile, and then you just give them Google Cardboard, so they can just run it on their mobile device? Also, like, was that even a possibility? I don't know.
0: Uh, I don't, I don't know. We haven't discussed this at all, pretty um, much.
1: Um. So, so what are your now that you've had experiences with VR? What what are your thoughts then on what's how how VR is going to play it? I know it's still unclear. It's early days. Do you feel that this is just an intermediate step to AR?
0: You know, um, um, what are your thoughts? Well, I well I hope so. <laughs> okay. uh, like I I really dream about the future where you will have one layer in front of your eyes that will help you to uh, interact and uh, with the world and recognize it and makes will make your life way easier. I'm not sure about like VR definitely this generation is something um that's you know I'm I'm really happy that it's finally coming out, that's for yeah. sure. But I'm not sure how uh, it how it will be accepted by by market, by by and- players.
1: And, I, and I've heard yep. some other game designers talk about how even people who've done 3D games in the past, it's just completely different in VR that their skill set won't transfer. What what are your thoughts on that, given that you've had experience with VR now? Like, so someone make, mm-hmm. who's had experience making a first-person shooter, they're saying that yeah. you can't really make that in a VR world at this point because it's, you know, it's, it's just too yeah, jarring. But- it's not appropriate.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it depends on um, what what are you actually doing for the game. Like say, for the three D artist, it's it's kind of a similar um, a similar experience of making those art for uh, VR. But for, for designers, well, it's it's completely different. If you If you're starting to use uh, mechanics that you are familiar with from the regular games you're going to fail soon. Your experience is not going to be fun, it's going to be confusing and um, well, the the difference is huge. So what designers need to do is really to step back, realize what they want to achieve and be patient with trying and failing because there is no guidebook for anyone how to design experience for VR. You just have to try and fail, and and learn from your failures. So, and
1: is that pretty much what your studio is doing now? It's just a lot of experiments in VR that you can then use to.
0: Yes, yes, okay. that's pretty much how we ba- how we build our knowledge base is is. is it's probably not not something that you can read on Gamma Sutra and learn from experience of others because um, if if the project they've been working on is different from project that you work on um, in your studio, then uh, you know with different games is is different approach and different problems. So you can't just um, read somewhere that this doesn't work on VR and then don't even try in your game. Well, you have to try because maybe you find some new ways, something that someone overlooked or maybe for him, it wasn't even possible because of the game concept, the different game concepts.
1: And, you know, in the pre-interview, you discussed how you're a game designer now. And so you have to rely on a programmer to Mm -hmm. sometimes help you maybe implement some game design concepts. How does that work in the VR environment where you're trying to find new mechanics or new systems that that are inherent to VR, um, mm-hmm. and you need to communicate with the with the developer to do that? I mean, do right. you find that limiting, or is that or is it easier because then you don't have to worry about you know you don't feel the pain of actually doing the work and you can just focus on whether this works or not?
0: Right. Well, well, well I get it. First thing I'd say. You can't you can't design any new game and anything innovative uh, in in abstract fashion so that means I, I Cannot just write the whole game design document or half of the game design document and then hope for it to work in VR. Yeah. So To work with a programmer you really need to uh, spend every day sitting next to him and and um, once you have like the description for a prototype, or uh, you just describe what you want to achieve, then you need to talk with this programmer and uh, ask him if, if this is possible, and if not, how would he achieve that? Uh, and then once it's built, then you just try and evaluate, and um, and then you just set your new steps And then you go over and over uh, like this until you get it done or until the prototype disproves the whole point, or the whole idea, pretty much. Okay. So, yeah.
1: And and how fast are you iterating then on these different prototypes? Can you, um, yeah, I mean, can you talk about your... Your process a little more, and maybe any suggestions you have for other designers who are trying, or who are in their own new space, or in their own game design, a different game mm-hmm. design space, and how are, how could they find new mechanics or new systems that work specific to their situation?
0: Right. Well, with VR, I found the most, um, the most of the inspiration in a real world around me. So people. People are gonna visit the virtual space, hoping for uh, it to work the similar way how they uh, how their world is uh, is working. So, I guess, like to for me- uh, for mechanics to be uh, intuitive, people kind of needs to know need to know them already, which is something like. Um, it was described as basic human play pattern patterns but um, in game design field, and I uh, so so I find most of the inspiration in the real world. I think that for indie game del- indie game developers want to develop the games for VR in um, in more people than just one. Uh, I would say it's very important not to work externally much with the people because if you want to it- iterate fast and create rapid prototypes, then you have to rely on uh, people that will that will do it. So they will they will sit there with you in an office, and you know that's as soon as they'll they'll be done, they'll let you know. So you can evaluate. Really, the speed of this process is the most crucial thing, because the number of iterations that you are going to do on one mechanic or or the core of the game, which could be three elegant mechanics um, combined together, um, it, it's it's something that you, you, that is very time consuming and um, uh, very often disappointing because. Yeah. Most of the most of the things that you would guess it will work easily in VR, uh, they don't. For example, if you want to, like if you want uh, if you want player to fall on the floor if he runs too much. So that means you can you can walk around, but if you run for too long, then you fall down on the ground. That's something. That illusion of falling down uh, on the ground is something that will be that would be well accepted by non VR players, but it completely ruins the experience in VR. Okay,
1: and and you only really figure that by play testing it and and doing it, because
0: which makes yeah. sense.
1: Which makes sense. Um, but you know what's what's also interesting is, and I think I've seen this is that some people are like, look, not everyone is going to have a VR kit soon, so they're talking about games where some of the players are on their mobile devices and maybe one or two players are on the VR device and it's a it's a hybrid game. Mm-hmm. Is that something that you've explored in your prototypes or do you have any thoughts on that? Or is that even useful, do you feel, that, that that's how VR
0: is going to play out? Useful? Yes, definitely. Any any way how to connect the players cross platforms, and offer them to to experience something together is beneficial that's for sure that's something like that that will help the general game design and it doesn't matter what platform you're going to pick but the thing is with ar ar is still something that it's i, I think it it it's falling a little bit behind of the VR right now we had one guy with the uh, one developer visiting our studio he was working with uh, I think what's Epson BT 2000 or something like this uh, uh, those were AR glasses okay. we tried that and to be honest it's super lame it's like uh, you just put on the glasses and you can see a small little square Uh, and a mail of your view that is like the display of the phone phone that you need to attach this device to and we we really wanted to find some way how to use this technology but we couldn't imagine that people would actually wear these glasses um, along the street because they are huge they are seriously like a huge construction for regular wearing on a street But we really uh, wanted to use it somehow, but we had to then, um, we had to make the decision that the AR is not ready yet. I mean, yes, through the phones and tablets, there are a couple of AR applications, but uh, it's it's using the, it is AR in its essence, but... um, like it doesn't bring yet the the out, the experience that would be meaningful.
1: Okay. And and what about VR on mobile devices? Is that something you've also experimented with? Uh,
0: no, frankly, we didn't. Uh, I think they. I think something's ordered. We should get a device as well but we haven't discussed this and we haven't prototyped anything with uh, mobile vr
1: is that something you're open to or do you feel that you're going to just develop for oculus or, or you know something more of a, a bigger like a primary
0: vr device i so- wouldn't I, I wouldn't be closing the door if we don't have to okay
1: um have you tried any of the vr applications on mobile because um, I think I've seen some apps where they have it, where the apps are just kind of like, they are like they have the VR, you know, look. Mm-hmm. Um, but you need a special, like, device to actually do it. Like, you know, you have the Samsung thing, which is like $99 or something else like that, where it can turn your mobile device into a VR kit. And, and there's also other cheaper devices. So yep. do you feel that that's the way to go with your VR? I mean, would would that have, I know you mentioned your Kickstarter. Would that mm-hmm. have helped to open the audience for your Kickstarter to a larger audience, like open the potential.
0: Right. Oh, well, the situation is similar it's too Young, so we don't know, like it would definitely um, involve more people probably in the campaign. But since it's something that we didn't work with, we cannot promise anything. So if we make that promise on a Kickstarter and then we won't yeah. be able to, then we're
1: well, for prototyping your VR stuff, are you using Unity or are you using some other tool?
0: Or uh, we're using Unity. Okay, because yeah. I know
1: I know in Unity, I thought you could deploy to Android and, and iOS relatively easily. Yeah, so, yeah, um, yep,
0: but... we definitely tried on. Like, you have to still do a couple of editing uh, and a couple of changing in a. Yeah, I know that's true.
1: That's really true. Um, okay, so you know, and this this kind of leads into. Um, your perspective on on play in general. I mean, um, so you said, you know, in the pre-interview you mentioned that you started out as programming and then you went into game design um, and you're interested in all things play. What are your thoughts on current the state of play currently in games and, and where it's going to go?
0: Right. Well, one thing that I... Um... Uh, what I think is really interesting uh, said Jane McTonigall. Um She in uh, I think in her book Broken Reality or Reality is Broken she yeah. pointed out uh, she pointed out uh, there's a huge amount of time people spend playing games and the meaningful outcome uh, the general meaningful outcome is almost none apart from their uh, gameplay experience. And, and, and social experience but she kind of pointed out we could actually take that time they spent in a game and turn it into something um, that is meaningful in real life so players could actually yeah. uh, help achieve something real uh, in a real world so uh, I guess I guess that's something that keeps me aware of uh, Options and possibilities that game design offers to make a difference in this world, to help people yes. to interact with the world f- fast, or or just make them happier, make life easier. Those are all all, the, all these things can be ach- achieved by game design, and uh, it's now you can see on uh, gamification programs that started as something really really cool and nice and undiscovered and turned up to be just a regular uh, commercial way to get more people involved in their campaign or or something like this but uh, of course not all gamification programs are like that but uh, yeah that's really nice example because the gamification is game design applied to real life Uh, to real mechanics, to real system, just like laws and um, uh, just just like
1: Do you feel that um, I mean, what's wrong with play for its own sake? Why does it have to impact a real world system when you know, when you you think about even games in the last 10 years, you know, just the addition of social to Mm -hmm. games, social interactions you know making it more ubiquitous uh through mmos and multiplayer games that's added a lot of fun and meaning to the game Mm -hmm. and so the real question is is what systems new systems are going to add as much fun as interacting with other players in the game to make Mm -hmm. it you know like a real like that would so can real world mechanics actually add as much entertainment and engagement as multiplayer communication and, and, and interactions
0: I mean yeah yeah it's definitely yes because um, well everything you experience in a game even its social interactions they they kind of uh, exist in a, in a game world, but they also have like the meaning for you in a real world if you take a look on like the po- the whole point of gamification um, should be to take boring uh, activities from real life and make them fun in a way that you build a game world around them. And um, or or maybe those it. activities should
1: have never existed existed in the first place.
0: Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um,
1: so I don't know because I know that's kind of what people have mentioned as what's kind of. The issue with gamification right now is that it's trying to focus on compelling people to do stuff that they don't even should. (laughs) That's not really even good, and they don't even want to do it in the first place. So, I, I think the real question about you know when you talk about gamification is is whether there are going to be real world real world system mechanics that will be just as compelling and fun as the social mechanics that have come into a lot of games in the last 10 years, you know, whether right. it's through guilds and, and they've been there before. It's just that now through the web and, you know, other distributions, it's, it's just easier for more people to, to access those mechanics. So, but, well, but I- we
0: Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What you okay. Uh, well, I just wanted to say, I, I believe there's two ways how to motivate people to do something. Uh, it's it's kind of an obvious. Uh, first one is just to follow the carrot, which is like to a punishment and reward, and that's, that's something that uh, makes you engage in uh, gamification. Program even if you don't don't give a damn about uh, the what you are actually doing. You're not doing it for the sake of doing it, but you're doing it for uh, to get the reward or to yeah. to avoid the the punishment. So that's something that uh, gamification programs uses now, and and it's of course it's wrong. Even uh, Alfie Kohn, um, he a, a, I think he's an American uh, psychiatrist. Uh, he wrote amazing book which is called "Punished by Rewards," and there he explained that actually, the if you reward someone uh, for that that he is doing what he likes, he he will start to hate it because he just uh, he will just follow this reward, so he will expect reward every time, and if the reward won't come, then he is done with the activity. So you can you can like some activity. You can like to do something, but if you if you get rewarded for doing it, then you your motivation turns from I want to do it because I like to do it, to I want to do the uh, do it because then it comes the reward. So yeah. the second way and the better way to do it is uh, of course inner motivation. Which is something that uh, that educational systems like um, just regular schools should be using instead of asking, um, instead of telling students what to learn and when, they should offer uh, a variety of subjects that you can study and ask what are you interested in, right? So instead of instead of Just um, like making them, like grading them from A A to F, uh, which is something that uh, can, you know, really change your attitude to to be a good student or to be uh, to be proactive. Well, if you if if you just if you just do that. if you study to, to get A, then you don't study to, to get the information. You yeah. should study what you want, because the, it's, it's uh, interesting.: The motivation is built around curiosity and things like that. So OK. So
1: So you, you still feel then that gamification will be a huge thing. Before. as
0: jesse shell as jesse shell put it i think it's just the tip of the iceberg i okay. really so is it's just that it was reminded after years on that D- dice talk yeah. by jesse shell it was reminded and then there was a huge boom around it <laughs> oh, yeah. but gamification was here for ages before but so there was this huge boom around it and instead of designers starting to s- studying this phenomenon and uh, finding the way, what it is, and how can we use it, is just is just started. It launched the commercial use of the gamification, and st- instead of calling in loyal programs and things like this, now call it gamification. That doesn't make a difference. So, yeah. Wow. What's, what really I think what Jesse Shell wanted to say is, look, there is a chance to make this world better if you just think about it you can make people follow their inner motivation yeah so so a, a, amplify in their the, inner the, inner motivations
1: yeah um what are your so so as a game designer you, you know you said you're you're dedicated to all things play mm-hmm. what um you know how do you find New play patterns. I mean, is that do you feel that all the play patterns have been discovered so far, or or what are your thoughts on that?
0: Well, it's a really tough question because uh, you know uh, <laughs> there's a, a huge variety in play. You can have uh, you can have uh, Aegon playing, which is more like um, uh, bounded with rules, like uh, typical Ludo Ludo's games, but Uh, On the other side is just for uh, you've got a lot of games that are just simply based on a luck, and these games are super (laughs) fun too. If if you just if if you just luck, like for example, uh, just the slot machine, slot machines. Well, for people who are not really. Into that, it's understandable that they don't like it because it's just three columns that changing symbols But for people who actually already uh, Started to play hardly hardcore uh, The amount of fun is raising there the longer you play the more fun you have for them sure um, Okay, so then So those are athletic uh, games on the other hand you've got um like in opposite to Ludus, Ludus games, you've got uh, games, right? These are games that have no rules at all. Like, for example, the uh, if kids are um, are just rolling on a floor and are yelling for no reason, it, it's it's a game as well. So, if they're if they're even playing on a sandbox on a real sandbox, I mean, <laughs> behind the, behind the house, they actually develop the rules as they go so um if, if you're on a roller coaster the fun you're having uh is elinks is 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 way of uh, it's kind of play so the 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 phenomenon of of play itself and games is huge uh, is really for i i think it's for game designers, it's better to just focus on one or two parts because you, you it's, it's really hard to get all of these. But but the thing is, so, I believe. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead.
0: No, I just wanted to say that um, that I believe that apart from um, uh, human play patterns that I mentioned, which could be. Matching, sorting, rolling and things like this, for example, like matching socks is something uh, That equals to be bejeweled, for example So you always have some patterns that you know from real life, but apart from that um, There are also patterns that are not not obvious yet, you know them from the real life, but they're not obvious and for that I'd say really look around for all the game designers look around because the, the the inspiration is all around you for the new mechanics it could be it could be someone just uh, a friend telling you a funny story in a bar um you, you hear some part of the story and you think well that could be actually a great um great new app right like i've been thinking uh, like this about an option to to anonymously send the pictures uh across the whole world like you would have one person like almost um uh, uh tamagotchi was yeah, yeah almost like tamagotchi and you would care about him in a way that you would be sending him photos and he would be sending uh, uh his photos to you back and the thing is if the app is challenging you like uh if you're from i don't know uh if you're from England and you have someone um in that app that is from brazil then you send each other pictures every day like this is this is how i go to work like if the if the app is challenging you like to get a photo take an interesting photo on your way to work then you would every day get to know better Someone who is living on the other other side of Earth, which I think is awesome, is just uh, is just a matter of thinking about about new things that you could achieve, new things that people could experience, something that is not available yet. I mean, uh, everyone can reach an existing game. The game designers are game designers to develop new games, new ideas. To copying what's out there on the market already is just a waste of time. It will get you some money, like yeah. you, you, you will earn something, that's for sure. But the purpose of the activity, well, it's just, I, I guess it's just innovation.
1: Yeah. And so, so for you as a game designer, you're looking for new experiences that you can communicate with the world yep and so those aren't necessarily games then they might just be interactive media experiences that's true right so so because i mean games i guess abstractly are systems and you're just trying to find new systems that are engaged that that feel fun to play is fun to players or just deliver emotions or, or what are your what are your goals then
0: well, uh, well, I would say deliver emotions, but that could be an, an, an anxiety, for example. Yeah, and and you know what, different. like survival horror. I mean, you're
1: talking about, you know, yeah. you know, and and maybe that's part of the. For some people, maybe that's what they want.
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm trying to well, actually understand. There is an anxiety and anxiety, so it's. It's a matter of game dynamics, right? Okay. It's when you turn the game mechanics into, into real into movement, then you've got these situations that are unique every time, or could should be unique every time, uh, for players uh, when they actually w- when they actually make making the decisions or uh, like trying to follow, like to to be a meaningful part of the game. But I say yes, it's not always games. Uh, it's, it's probably about experience. It really needs to deliver the strong experience, uh, strong emotions. And the stronger emotions are, of course, if that's not, I'm so sick of uh, with this game. <laughs> yeah. uh, but if the, if the emotions are strong, then you've got a chance to achieve something huge and amazing because people are emotional about things that matters.
1: Yeah. So then it's not really about play patterns necessarily, right? I, I mean, I don't know if I'm understanding this correctly. Basically, you're saying that it's about delivering emotions rather than using play patterns or finding play patterns, right? Yeah. Or, or maybe yeah. it's different because you know what? There are certain things that deliver emotions that aren't play patterns. Play patterns might infer systems or activities that are
0: different or new. Um, but Well... But with,
1: yeah, go ahead. Go
0: ahead. What were you we going to say? Well, there are a couple of couple of patterns uh, that I mentioned. Uh, you know, as play play patterns from the real, real world. Yeah. But um, regarding interaction, and you mentioned social games, right? That would be yeah. a great example. So, like
1: multiplayer so, social.
0: When it yeah. all started, yeah, we had these social games like Cityville, Farmville, all these yeah. things. Right. The it wasn't a social game. It was a single player oh, yeah, type. Yeah, with with peop- lots of people in it, and you didn't have any kind of like social, real, meaningful social interaction. So, if you if you think about it, who made a social game, a strong social game for a family, for example? Because the the family members, if there is something for parents and kids that would connect them together and kept them like connected the whole day it would be amazing it would be it would be something so different what you can find by social mechanics right now is if you can go to the virtual world then you experience something with uh, experience something with some other player then you you become friends and you can experience some in game um, uh, you can experience some in game actions together but what I'm saying is, even if I, uh, if there are two persons talking to each other, then each move, each, uh, like every time a person says something, that's a play, that's, that's a game. Because, as I think Eric Baron, uh describes it in a, ga- uh, in a book, uh, Game People Play, he describes real social gaming. And real social gaming is based on, on existing relationships or relationships that just are about to build in a real life. So uh, it's, uh, it's, for example, I don't know, a nice social game is uh, I Could But, right? And the game is played like this. A, a person presents the problem. In like in on party on uh, or in this uh, group of friends, and the, the point of the game is that each of the uh, friends around will suggest the solution, and none of the solution will be the right one. Okay, so uh, a person A say, okay, my sink is broken at home, and uh, friend one say, uh, okay, ask your husband to fix it. And the answer is, I could, but he has no time. Then some other friends, he said, uh, so call um, call someone, uh, call a plumber or something. Well, I could, but we don't have money. So this is a social game. This is an essence of real social game. And the social games we see in a, in a gaming world now is mostly built around... It's mostly built around the, the game itself and it, it doesn't go that deep at all. Yeah. It's just it's really flat and it, re- and it really is just a matter of actions that are available in a game. So I'd say if, if someone's interested in social gaming, please read this book because I think that's it describes games that we're still waiting, social games that we're still waiting for. Um, that's that was social gaming, but I forgot the second part of the question. Oh, Sorry. well, I was
1: just asking what you consider you know pretty much you know what like you're you're trying to deliver experiences. what I was going to ask is like do you consider Tinder a game then you know because yeah. Yeah, because yeah. in a way it's it's an interactive media experience, but it's not necessarily a game, right I mean, I guess it is fun, you're browsing through photos but i guess that's interactive media versus a game
0: well there's game and play right? yeah yeah
1: and so and so, so that's what i'm saying is there any play in tinder aside i mean from the actual browsing part or is it just from when you're communicating and chatting with people
0: uh it could be really anything like uh, the me- mechanics and it doesn't matter if if the mechanics applies in a real world or in a game. Yeah. The mechanics is if if, and then. That's the mechanics. Even okay. the goal itself is still if and then. Yeah. So if you can, if you're doing some activity, it could be on Tinder or anywhere else, and you, you're considering if and then, then you're prob- probably playing. Well, not probably, then you're playing.
1: Okay. So, what I'm going to do now is I'm going to put your game development, game design, you know, game designer perspective to, to the test. I'm going to mention either certain play patterns, um, activities, or even mechanics or, you know, things. And you just let me know what you feel as a game designer, the potential of them are. So, for example, photos. Yeah. What are your thought on thoughts on photos in games or photo-based games?
0: Or photo-based media experiences, I guess. It's amazing because you can you can express yourself and share it. That's like super strong. If if that's what you ask me, yeah. uh, And is cool.
1: that is that would you consider that an expression a play pattern, or is that just psychological? Oh, yeah. Okay, I, yeah, I, it's, yeah, it's, I that's mean,
0: a pattern because if you send that photo, right? It yeah. photo has purpose. And you kind of expect some uh, response so it doesn't matter if the response is is uh, is gonna be as you expected it but the point is you expected some result so in a way it's 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 uh, it's a plane
1: um, what do you consider okay so so photo okay taking photos is an activity that could be part of a game what about um creating content in games is that something that you feel is yeah what what are your thoughts on that content creation
0: uh, or creativity well, yeah it's um well if you have if you have players that enjoy your game world yeah. then the best thing you can have is uh, or best thing you can do is give tools to these players to build a world uh, and for you, they will probably do it way, way better than you did, because like the community and people, they just they they have what could what could feel as hard for a game designer that is just facing a hard deadline or something like this. This process actually feels so much fun for all the players. And they will do better job than des- designers on building the game content so I'd say uh, I'd say if the game is is well accepted and it has the players let them make the contact for you if you can because they do a way better job than you can do than you did they will if they have the tools what because about, they love the
1: game yeah what about um emotions derived from content creation do you do you even see any like clear because you know these are these are design spaces that haven't really been discussed as much and that's why i wanted your opinion on them i mean what what are emotions that you could deliver via creativity or content creation you know, and we see that kind of with photos, where you see stuff like Instagram and some of the emotions that are communicated via that content creation. But you also see like Minecraft and some of these other user-generated games. What are your thoughts on where that's going, and what game designers should consider if they're considering that?
0: Right. Well, it's the same thing. Uh, same thing if you visit uh, a gallery. With the paintings, um, if if designers or players have that chance to express themselves, then it's for sure other people will see what they did, and so it so these people will then evaluate it and still let the creation um, somehow um, impress them. So if there is there is always a way or Anything you create probably create uh, makes someone feel sad when he sees that. It could be, oh, oh, God, it's a crap. Who did this? Oh, this is terrible. Or it could be this is beautiful or this is interesting, or it could be my friend John should see this. Uh, definitely, uh, let players to create these emotions for the players is awesome idea. I, I just I just remember one uh, really interesting and funny moment that I saw on some YouTube video. It was uh, it was a tutorial in Minecraft how to make a fireplace. Have you seen that? No, I haven't. No. Oh, I can, okay, that was it. awesome. So <laughs> the the guy in the house, the house is pretty pretty big, and he's like, okay, uh, I've been building this house with my friend all two months. Look, there's there's bedroom, another bedroom, and here goes the Fireplace that I'm building. So he built the basic structure of the fireplace in the living room and then <clears throat> He had everything ready and last thing that was missing was actually uh, Wood uh, wood in the fireplace. So he grabbed some woods put it in then he set the fire on and So he's watching that finishing his tutorial video. He's about to end and then he sees that the uh, fire comes out of, uh, on a on a box that is next to it on a tile that is next to it right and it's now two tiles are burning so the guy's like "Uh uh-oh so he turned around he went to a pool that that is swimming pool that that was just there um, and then he took one one cube of that water he went back and it was three or four cubes already burning so he used that cube and then he went for the water again then he turned back it was like Seven or eight burning cubes already, and then he was just standing, uh, watching uh, the house completely burn in ashes. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Oh my god, oh my god, I can't stop it now. He tried to destroy the fireplace, but he failed. And he was just, he, he had to stand there and watch the house being burned down. The house he's been building with his friend for two while. Well, this will this is this isn't something that was designed by a game developer this is just the game dynamics that was created by two players and the and the emotions well you can you can imagine the emotions the, yeah. the his friend had then when he realized it cannot be loaded back is just gone forever okay. <laughs> they have to build it again or it's gone so
1: yeah um yeah, I guess what are other... You know, I'm trying to figure out, you know, as a game designer, mm-hmm. what are you you considering as the next frontier or next wave of things that you'll be able to interact with to make interesting media or game experiences? Like, for example, in the last five years or maybe, you know, six or seven years, that, you know, the advent of easy-to-take photos mm-hmm. has really on on mobile devices has really opened up the field for a lot of interesting photo based apps and video recently too. And that's why I'm wondering, what do you think are going to be those new activities or I guess content creation or whatever else emotions that game designers who are trying to innovate, you know, you mentioned that innovation was an important part for game designers what do they need to be looking at to make the well, next wave of either, you know, games or media experiences or emotions or stuff like that?
0: Well, it's a, for sure social that's something that is already here but it doesn't do a great job uh, regarding to uh, theories of, of uh, social gaming and social interactions. Um well, it's a vast unexplored space, so that I, for example, I, I see products for existing social groups, like I mentioned family, for example, yeah. uh, really soon, and I expect these products will be uh, super popular. So that's going to be one, one thing. Then okay. another thing I'm thinking of is a possibility to control something um, like imagine five people could actually control one um, uh, one robot uh, that is somewhere uh, in the world, so they can actually from their home they can control something real, and uh, they they can like. Three or four people can take care of something something real. Okay. That is like a robot. That is that is just. Um, but do you know. think
1: do you think that would be fun though? Like for you yourself, would you want to share a robot with four other people?
0: It depends on the idea. The this yeah. this the robot was just a generic. But I told you before in pre uh, on pre preview yeah. talk that uh it would be way more cooler if if for example you are 2030 guys who can control a drone that can uh drone that can fly around the atmosphere that would be cool like if you can take care of your own spaceship i think that see that's good. my concern because i feel
1: like some of these
0: i like some of
1: these concepts that you know, as game developers, game game designers, like, you know, orcs and elves and stuff like that, that works for the hardcore game player. But then you have to figure out, okay, what is going to be that thing that actually works for casual audience, potentially, depending on the type of game you want to make, right? Like Minecraft wasn't necessarily for the hardcore game player, even though hardcore people played it, you know, hardcore gamers played it, but it opened it up to a lot of people who weren't necessarily hardcore. You know, now a lot of kids play it. Right, Because it offered a different experience that was relevant to them because they like to create a lot of them still like to create, they're at an age where they like to create, and so I feel like maybe instead of the drone, what if they could yeah. share a car? I mean, like it has to be something that could benefit them right like or what are your thoughts on that does it will it will it be some kind of tool? yeah, I mean because because you're talking about multiplayer experiences that Are fun and and valuable to people right yeah and 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 controlling a drone with 20 people do you see that do you feel that that would be fun past a week
0: well uh you have to take a look and like unless you could be pranking people with it okay the the, the whole premise now the, the drone would be really in space it would be above earth So the whole point would be, you would have a drone that is that you control in order to explore the space. Yeah, exploration is a fundamental. Yeah, and so I imagine. So it it wouldn't be if that's possible one day in the future, then I cannot imagine that it that this device is controlled just by one player, uh, or one person. Because normally this needs a lot of coordination of, of more people involved. So maybe if you could actually have like a couple of your friends could have actually a, a, this little spaceship that is able to travel somewhere for real and then transmit the real photos, yeah. then I guess it would feel more like a adventure of you would be you would feel like five, five astronauts. Uh, but you would be just sitting at home and uh, watching everything and uh, controlling everything from your computer but if you imagine like this is just example but if you imagine that one day it is possible it will probably not but if you imagine it is then w- with what jane mcgonigal said then everyone in the world if they have fun with exploring the universe around like the one where the robot would be able to go by the uh, and still hold the signal, then you would have uh, a huge number of people that would start exploring the close universe, which is like that would be amazing. Imagine the force; it, yeah. it's just uh, it's just, and you don't stop these people, right? Because they have fun with it. Like they they will find one interesting thing, and it will make them just. Try again and forever.
1: And so, for a game, maybe potentially you're trying to capture space or, or own specific territory potentially as you're exploring? Or do you feel that cause, because exploration is part of it, but when you think about taking the exploration mechanic or pattern and applying it to what you're discussing, mm-hmm. would you also need to have like either a puzzle element? Or an RPG element, or, or a territory, or what? What are your thoughts on that? Like, I mean, I I don't
0: know. I don't okay, know.
1: I'm just, just hey, I'm the, trying. To...
0: The idea is the idea really was like to let everyone explore for real close space yeah. by taking care of these uh, spaceships. But then, of course, if that's not enough, like if if that's not enough for people to have fun to fly somewhere for real, uh, I don't know, a week. For example, to some ast- close asteroid to take pictures and then uh, send them back. So if they're not having fun with this, but then yes, we would need some. Uh, you would need some mechanics that keeps players in the loop. But then, of course, if you need those mechanics, then the whole pr- the whole purpose of this activity is uh, the uh, <laughs> the whole point would be gone because okay, yeah, because it's have to have fun with the actual activity.
1: Okay, and and that's why I feel like because I always look at the casual type of game for these types of mechanics, and I feel like sharing a car or exploring restaurants mm-hmm. might be more compelling to a lot to a lot more people versus space. Uh, that's for sure. Like, yeah, okay. and but no, I'm just trying to figure out because you know because we're like okay, well you're gonna gamify eating outside and really... Because look, multiplayer mechanics around sharing resources Mm -hmm. could be where the gamification actually works because it's not... It's something that people need or they can get in a way that the game provides that they can't get or it's more expensive outside of the game. Because if that's a possibility, then people will look at gamification. But if it's just to be like, hey, I'm going to get an extra point to go to a food place. I mean, that's all right. There are some apps that do that. But I don't think that's long-term. Like, maybe you get a couple
0: benefits, but
1: no, I, this, I don't see that as...
0: as uh, what you're saying is, I guess, is just these interactions have to have a meaning. Yeah, um, and no, they have
1: to change the dynamics in a way that the game, that stuff outside the game doesn't. You know, right. so the game has to either change the price of what the experience is, like for example with Tinder, right? I mean, literally, you d- you can now choose whoever you want without feeling without the feeling of rejection, right. and that's huge, right? I mean, because basically you can just say, okay, I like the like because think of how many people hesitated because they were scared right. of yep. getting a no. And, and so that's where I feel like when you talk about some of the other things we've discussed in the interview, which is that gamification and and like you know where's social going to go, where's multiplayer going to go? where is these real world meaning mechanics going to come in? It's I think that the games literally have to provide an experience that is fundamentally cheaper in terms of bad emotions. <laughs> you know, there's less bad emotions because of the game system or it's just fundamentally cheaper because it's ma- it makes it easier or or more fun or, ch- or you know cheaper in general. And maybe that's where future gameplay has to go. You know, where we were talking about where potentially future, you know, game design and gameplay will yeah. go.
0: Well, yeah, but this this is something that's been around for a while, right? It's like uh, no, it a classic, <laughs> classic win-win situation that you do in uh in A-Gun games. So and, and wait, yeah. in
1: watch games? A- A-
0: A- A- uh Egan so it's uh bounded by rules oh, okay, uh, okay. A- is probably the right word um but that's uh that's the category uh that's the category f- made by Calois. uh not sure if you remember him uh, if uh, no. you know him uh, okay so uh are you familiar with uh, Huizinga? Zinga? uh you John <laughs> Lizinga. he's the first like oh, okay. kind of um, thinker of the game games phenomenon. He, he was the first one who said, "Look at the look at the animals," and uh, nobody thought them. Uh, nobody thought uh, thought two puppy brothers uh, how to play with each other. They are fighting, but they don't don't bite each other's ear like through each other's ear. It's uh, still a play, but. No- yeah. And play is something we are born with; is something natural. So then, on uh, on him, uh, after him, there was a Roger Calois who made these um, these four basic groups that are pretty much the Pydialudus, which is like uh, games that are without rules and rules. And that's why the Aegon and E-Links is there I, that I mentioned. So sorry, it's just oh yeah, just no, I'm reference. No, that's um, good. But oh yeah, and I'm just lost.
1: the... Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I was but... just I'm just trying to explore and understand where, you know, because, you know, you talk about innovation, and and you mm-hmm. and you have to think as you know as the listeners who are also listening as indie developers, it's like, look, what is going to change because you know you know the the general themes are there people understand where things are going to go but it's finding the exact right formula that actually makes it work you know And, and that's what the indie developers are trying to do and you know some of the stuff that you brought up i think even if it's not for space but for even something more casual and you talk about multiplayer but you talk about families but what about a person and their pet like literally their real pet i don't know if you've seen some of the games for there's actually games for dogs there's tablet games for dogs i haven't seen one yeah no for real i'm not i wish i'm not making it up and yet and yet it's not multiplayer you know you think about it that would you know that would be interesting is to make an interactive because look a lot of people love their pets Right. and they feed them caviar they feed them you know they feed amazing things and yet there's no multiplayer game for a person and their pet, at least that I know of. Right. And I feel well, like maybe that's what the Indian. Yeah, you're right,
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. That's also also a new thing. Oh, now, I remember when I when I stopped last time? It was uh, I wanted to say that in competitive games, especially on mobiles uh, today, where you compete with some others, it's like in battles or something developers tend to use win-win situations so if you lose you didn't actually lose yeah uh, and it even if you lose you still get some xp as a reward yeah and things but like but i feel, this. I feel like
1: a lot of those battle games are yeah. because no one has found good mechanics for win-win without the attacks i mean you look at instagram there's no there are like you know in like On a small case, there might be some pseudo-battles, like, you know, comments or whatever, but it's not... uh, There is no battling like that. I know there's Clash of Clans, which is very popular, Mm -hmm. but I feel like a lot of the games that have worked before, it's because... Not because they were intrinsically good, it's just compared to nothing, it was good. But now that there's a broader canvas for game developers and designers, we might move away from that, and it might be something that's more... Um, win win without having to even have battles, which yeah. I don't know. Do you feel that competi- that battles are an important part of game, like like good game design, or what are your thoughts on that?
0: No, it's just the one type of gaming. The competitive games is just something where it's, you it's need. It's a huge come- part, though, right? You look at you look at it is. It's just <laughs> it's, it's majority of the games because it's, it's the easiest yeah. way to make a game. Like if you. When I was a kid and I told two of my friends, okay, you two just run around this tree for 10 times and who will have a better time wins. That's really something that's, you know, um, it, it, it's easy to come up with. It's yeah. easy to design games like this because... Because, because competition... Okay, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, the, the competition means some motivations for players to yeah. turn mechanics into dynamics. So... Yeah. So that's why it's so easy. So,
1: so you're saying the reason and, – and so competition is an easiest way to deliver emotions. But now that we have a broader canvas and we have like, look, when you were a kid, you maybe wouldn't be able to produce a photo in a second, right, and, and have it developed and every – I don't know. But now that there are other dimensions of activity in media, maybe that's not the way to go. I don't know. But, but for you, you find competition uh, a valid and useful design
0: well, for, in your games yeah. here. It is something also that, that players are still looking for, right? Yeah, uh, no, they are, absolutely. Well, look, people were
1: looking for a lot of... Someone has to make an, a better thing, potentially. But you're right. I mean, people are open to that. I'm just trying to understand why there's Instagram, which has 400 million users on it and then you even clash of clans as successful as it is it's like one tenth of that you know at the most and you know you have to so and and look you look at facebook right that then up that may not be considered a game but i'm just saying i'm trying to figure out there seems to be something that works for a broader audience that isn't that, that that game designers haven't found yet that's really what i'm trying to that's what i'm trying to say
0: well <laughs> whatever whatever it is it yeah. will definitely fit in one of the categories from roger callos and i guess if that's not com uh competitive gameplay it's still there uh, there are still areas that uh that could be the case for example uh, like the uh, play where you actually like the for example the mimicry uh, which is a pediatric play that I mentioned is something for example when actors yeah, when actors have their bit they're actually playing uh, someone else as a, as a mimicry this oh, yeah. is not competitive at all and nobody used that much for gaming itself yeah like okay they do uh, and it's kind of like role playing right yeah 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 yes it oh, is yeah. and there is a game called how is it called uh sleep is dead okay. sleep is dead and the purpose of the game is that is for two years and it's like uh Dungeon and dragons right it's it's uh graphically made you see your character in a scene and you just type what you want to do. It's sent to game master. That's the second player who created the scene from assets that that are there to be used. And he replies like he. So it's like a game book or Dungeons and Dragons. So he's gonna. Uh, you're gonna say I'm gonna open this door, and this door. And you send it out. You point an arrow on this door, and he replies. So if. He can reply the door are locked or he can really click on the door and let them open and he sends this state to you. So you two kind of play uh, together against each other, but it's still not competitive. It's okay. all yeah. about, it's all about fun, making fun. Okay, interesting.
1: And, and you said that that book mentions stuff like this. That maybe hasn't been covered by a lot of game developers yet.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, like I said, uh, Johannes Huizinga, uh, he, he, he kind of brought the first book, uh, H- Homo and after him, Roger Callais, Kilo- he really tried to categorize everything that that is play or game okay. in his book. So if uh, you can What, what I, was I the name that, of the
1: book, dear? you, do you
0: uh, the okay, you? um Roger Carlois and it was called uh a man he um uh, man play in games. Okay. Hold on. I've got it. I've got it somewhere here under the under man
1: head. play games. Man. Yeah, I mean it seems it seems intriguing. Oh yeah, it is um man play in games. You're right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um Okay, well, that's, so that's a good recommendation. So as we wrap up this um, interview, uh, I guess, are there any other last things you want to say? And one thing I was intrigued about is when you talked about going from mechanics to dynamics. Do you, just, do you mean from mechanics to systems or dynamics different? Uh,
0: no, I just take dynamics as, um, as something that is caused by players interacting with oh, okay. mechanics so i just say as a result of interactions with my uh with the mechanics
1: okay and and those could be social dynamics those could be in game yes. dynamics okay um yeah so i guess yeah any other last suggestions for indie game developers and designers out there who are looking to be innovative as you mentioned as what the the pure purpose of a game designer
0: is right i'd say uh, if you want to know more, you have to study, because uh, uh, the play is still a phenomenon. We don't know much about it. We know something, but I believe we don't know that much. And uh, the best way to study is just to read the first book and then uh, follow, uh, then get other books on the topics you get the interst- interested most. I I would recommend you guys to start with Jesse Schell's book, Book of classes, The Art of Game Design, because I think it's very well written for uh, beginners and even for seasoned game designers to realize some of the points of game design. And then it's up to you where you will go. Uh, with your studies further, it can be social gaming, like I mentioned, uh, Eric Burn. That's a good reference for social uh, social gaming. Or it could be really uh, uh, just thinking uh, thinking about the game in general. Uh, it could be really digging into uh, um, the behaviorism, like the 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 ways to actually manipulate the player to get. Uh, to get him where you wants, right? Okay. Because that's what behaviorism kind of is. It's using the stimuli yeah. of the rewards.
1: That's the that's the amazing thing about games is I feel you have to know so many different areas um, to
0: really pull them off properly. That's true. Um, but I mean, I you know, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Well, reading through these books is amazing because I feel like I could discover something by any minute even i don't even if i don't uh, even yeah. if i read 3 4 books on the topics i missed the, the most i still have that feeling that this surprise discover is waiting behind a corner
1: you know have you as a game designer have you had your best ideas when you are studying the books or has it been when you've been prototyping
0: or just when you're in the shower <laughs> hard to say uh, okay. uh, it's really hard to say as, as I, I can't really decide. But you need prototypes because lots of your ideas yeah. will fade, and you need prototypes for that. So, you need those uh, experiences. Even if you get yes. the idea in
1: the shower, you need to kind of feed your yeah. mind with
0: that. It, it can come anytime. The most important thing is to have always a piece of paper and, and a pen at, you, at you, with you, because we designers think about so many things at once that. You can think of something really cool, but I guarantee you, you, you will forget it in five minutes. So, if you don't make notes, so please, everyone who wants to discover something or have that chance of covering something, read and make notes. And prototype, right? And prototype, of course. Yeah. Okay. Um, Without that, still an idea.
1: Okay. Ah, uh, great! So once again, thanks again for your time and for the listeners out there. If they want to find out more about potentially the games that you're working on now or that VR project, where can they go to check it out?
0: Okay, uh, you can definitely check it out on dreadlocks.cz, uh, and uh, there, you, there you can check the Ghost Theory. You can, you can, up with it. Stefan Dürmek is the profile. Uh, you can, uh, I think you can still approach the, oh, you should approach the Kickstarter page and back the project if you want to see some new magic happening in the gaming world. Okay. And that's about it.
1: Great. Thanks again for your time. Appreciate it. And take care.
0: Thank you. Yep.
1: Bye. Bye.